Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. Uh, we are talking about peace and harmony, which is a big part of the sweet life that we uh, want to enjoy. Um, I, I grew up in the uh, 60s and 70s, and whenever I hear the words peace and harmony, I think of a song. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. <laughs> That's painful. I didn't listen to that song. I would never admit when I was a sophomore in high school that I'd ever heard that song because they were in a different genre than I was into listening to. But peace was big. We even, you know, we even had a symbol for peace that was created. That's kind of like we were into that kind of thing. And it's still important to us. It's a, big, it's a big deal. Peace and harmony. Life at times can seem more bitter than sweet, though. And so we're, we're looking at, in this message series, the crucial pursuits for experiencing the joy and the meaning that God wants us to experience in this life. Uh, there are strategies we choose natively that leave a bitter taste in, in our mouth and in our lives. And so we're looking at how to do life God's way and then experience the sweetness he desires for us. Last week we talked about the importance of humility, not, not what we normally think of as a key ingredient of the sweet life. But we looked at how Jesus has a sure path to honor that leads us to deny our native reflexes in many situations. His, his path leads downward, but it takes you higher. And I'm, I'm a baseball guy. I'm a baseball fan. I was a baseball player. And I'm getting in on the bandwagon of saying goodbye to Vin Scully. He's the Dodgers broadcaster for 67 years. And seems like a great guy. One of the things that I remember about Vin Scully is I could hear his voice coming from my mom and dad. My mom and dad would go to, the, go to sleep listening to Vin Scully. So since my mom's been gone, she's been gone five or six years, I, I watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy sometimes just because she used to all the time. And whenever I hear Vin, I think of, I think of my mom. She was a real baseball fan. She sort of transferred her baseball fanaticism to the Dodgers after I quit playing. But here's the interesting thing that you hear in all the tributes. There's just tons of tributes. Vin Scully was legendary broadcaster. And these other broadcasters, big-name people, they're all talking about meeting him and knowing him and how they dreamed that they could meet him one day. And there's one theme that keeps coming through all, all of the, the tributes, all of the comments that have been made about him, and that is humility, deference. Keith Olbermann, a famous broadcaster, wanted to meet him from the time he was 14. He got a job in L.A. as a sportscaster a while back, 30 years ago or so, and he met Vin Scully, and he talked about how... Vin 
deferred to him in that he, he had been paying attention, asked him some questions, learned something from Keith Overham, got a book from him because he really appreciated something he was doing. And this is the theme that you hear. So what's happening, I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not, and really this is not my point this morning. <laughs> but I, I, if you want to pay attention or read some articles, you'll see this theme. And how it, people root for you when you choose humility. They, they honor, that is really the path to honor. That's what scripture says. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. So we looked at that last week. Now we're going to move on. I'm done with, with that. Anyway, peace and harmony are major ingredients in my recipe for the, the good life. More peace, more harmony, everybody getting along. That's, that would be a part of my, my day that I'd prefer. Wouldn't it be incredibly corny if, you know, a family's arguing, they're battling it out, and they're, they're just bickering, fighting, and all of a sudden they broke into that song I sang a while ago, I'd like to teach. You know, like it's Sound of Music or something. That would be corny, but it would be preferable to the fighting and arguing and bickering that goes on. Same at work. Same with friends, so on and on. Picture your perfect day. Is conflict a part of that day? No, no way. We, we don't, it, it, it ruins things. And perfect days don't exist because our days are full of people. And we are people. And there are no perfect people. So, we're going to look at how conflict is a major threat to the sweet life. And, and we're going to dig in, find some counterproductive directions we can go when conflict erupts, and also some very helpful ways to respond in the middle of conflict. The Bible shows us where conflict comes from, and this is very helpful. James 4 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And I put in parentheses, I would put in there, God. Conflict happens when I have a goal and you block it. Maybe I need your cooperation to have my goal and I don't get it. So I get lit. I'm immediately angry because you're not cooperating to give me what I want to help me reach my goal. Or I, I have uh, one goal and you have a completely other goal and we clash, we it, conflict erupts. This is a source of common everyday anger that can escalate into battles over and over and over again. Peace and harmony is lost when our goals get blocked by others. This is the source of normal conflict. When our goals are blocked, we're willing to harm others with our words. We, we don't mind hurting people when our goals get blocked with icy looks, comments, attitudes, whatever it is. Imagining the perfect day doesn't really help us very much. Uh, we, we really need to know how to deal with conflict. So learning more about this gives us traction 
toward the, the kind of life we really want. We all respond to conflict in different ways. Maybe you've had some conflict resolution training at work or in school, and it might have looked something like this. Let's check this out. A mediator's tool chest. Okay, well, before we get started, you should know that there are five different styles of conflict. My Shaolin Temple style defeats your monkey style. Can we go? I have a lot of work to do. Nope, this is important. Okay, the first style is lose-lose. What's the next one? Just hold on, please. Okay, if we do lose-lose, neither of you gets what you want. Do you understand? You, you would both lose. Now I need to ask you, do you want to pursue a lose-lose negotiation? Can we just skip to whatever number five is, win-win or whatever? Win-win is number four, and number five is win-win-win. The important difference here is with win-win-win, we all win. Me too. I win for having successfully mediated a conflict at work. <laughs> there you go. You can see the self-interest in Michael's strategy there. Win-win-win. He likes that one. If you want peace and harmony, you really have to set aside self-interest and focus on dealing with the problem and look out for the good of the marriage, your children, the friendship, your coworker, the job that needs to get done at work. You, you really have to focus on the others around you. So we, we need a solid plan. We need to know some pitfalls for dealing with conflict because nothing destroys our happiness more quickly than relational conflict. So let, let's start with two strategies that bring hollow peace. When conflict erupts during an otherwise pleasant day, it's easy to aim for peace at any price. If we're surprised by it, we just want to say and do anything to just shut it down so we can get past the conflict, whatever it is. And sometimes we love peace so much that we're willing to do anything to have it right now. Just please stop. Lenny Kravitz wrote a song, We Want Peace. And here's an interview of him talking about peace and how we can, how we can get it. Each of us as individuals can affect peace by being beautiful people, you know, by being peaceful people. Charity begins at home. You know, I heard that growing up my whole life, and it's true, you know. So each of us has to represent what it is we're trying to achieve. Now, now he is cool, okay? I don't know if he still is. I'm kind of out of it, but... He says this, each of us as individuals can affect peace by being beautiful people. Peace is really cool. And the problem with conflict is it's really ugly. You know, you're walking through your day. You don't expect to have conflict with the family. You're just trying to have a good time. It erupts. And there's something in us that would prefer not to look at it or stare at it or deal with it. We just would, we want to be beautiful people. So one of the ways that we can deal with conflict is to avoid it at all costs. We want to avoid it. 
Because we want to be beautiful people. We want to be cool. Conflict is hot. It's, it's, it's something that just gets you fired up. And so we, we don't really want to deal with it. It's easy to follow the path of least resistance and steer clear of anything that resembles a conflict in a relationship. When we love peace more than anything else and avoid conflict, it has a cancerous effect on our joy and our relationships. Over time, if we keep avoiding the conflict, what happens is we start wanting to avoid the people we're having the conflict with. They come around, it's ugly, it reminds us of the ugliness and the struggles and the problems and... We just avoid the person because we don't want to deal with the ugly conflict. We also drop some relationships and we let friendships go because we don't deal with the conflict. If, if there's a lot of conflict at, at work, sometimes we might even quit our job and not even realize that the source of the dissatisfaction with our work is tied to the conflict that we're having with the people we're relating to at work. So we, we struggle with this. When we avoid conflict, it appears sometimes on the surface that we have peace, but it's a hollow peace because trouble is simmering underneath the surface. And we're making decisions, we're making choices out here that are not allowing us really to move through the conflict and deal with it. Here's what Jesus said about dealing with conflict. We, we look at this passage a lot because it's important to God that we make our relationships right. If you're offering a gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is making it clear that you can't be right with God and wrong with other people around you. To be right with God means you follow through and make it right with those around you. It's easy to compartmentalize our spiritual life. Somehow we assume that we can be right with God and wrong with people. But Jesus is clear here. Follow through. Walk toward the conflict and make it right. Very few people are willing to move toward conflict rather than run away with it, from it. Uh, guys especially can be adept at avoiding conflict. But moving toward conflict is a very manly thing. There's a tremendous power when a guy will keep pursuing his wife and he'll make things right with his children. Or when... Someone in authority will work through the conflict with those under them. There's, there's power in this. A great deal of power. So Jesus says whether we cause the problem or if someone has offended us, uh, Jesus tells us to move ahead toward conflict. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Whenever we love peace so much that we try to avoid it, we often just stuff it down 
And typically it's just a matter of time before it blows. It's like striking a match by a fuel source. It's, it's going to blow. The reaction will eventually come. So avoidance is never a wise strategy. We need to move towards. It's hollow peace that comes from avoiding conflict. Another tactic we use to deal with conflict is to appease evil. There are things you never sacrifice for peace. The truth. Doing what's right before God. Treating people justly. But people easily misunderstand this quote from Jesus. And they use it as an excuse to cave to evil. Uh, Luke 6 says, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Jesus is telling us how to respond to insult and personal attack here. Not conflict, not personal conflict. He's saying that when, when you're insulted, when you're personally attacked, then... The only thing damaged is your pride. So go ahead and take it. Don't, don't, don't fight back. Don't try to win the battle. Do something more productive than that. Go ahead and let your pride be damaged by the insult. Jesus modeled this in the most extreme way. And when he was insulted, but he refused to, to, to retaliate. And the reason he was willing to absorb the personal insult was he had a bigger goal in mind. Look at 1 Peter 2.23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus showed us that peace and harmony flow out of letting the insults go, setting them aside. Focusing on the bigger purpose, God's glory, God's purpose in this moment, and the importance of the people that you're talking to and you're working through the conflict with. Jesus himself, however, moved toward conflict at times and, and actually stirred it up. One time he overturned the tables of the money changers outside the temple because he was disgusted that they were using the people's desire to worship as a way to make profit. So in Matthew 21, it says, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Now, I'm sure that this could have sparked a fistfight. So here you have Jesus saying, turn the other cheek. But in this moment, there was a bigger purpose at stake. People were being hurt by the actions of these money changers who were profiting off of what the people wanted to do in worshiping God. And so he was willing not to just let it go. He wasn't willing to appease evil. So we get in conversations all the time. And sometimes people say something that's a little off. Maybe you're at work and somebody says something negative toward the boss that's not true. Are, are you going to go ahead and let that slide just to keep the relationship 
at peace? Or are you going to go ahead and speak up, stand up for them? We tend to do this all the time, but that's a hollow peace that you have when you avoid conflict or when you appease evil because things are stirring inside. Things are simmering on the inside. One thing for sure is the sweet life grows when we pursue peace with the people around us. We, we want the sweetness in life. And that's not a bad desire. God wants us to have a sweet life. He, he wants us to really enjoy it. Check out Psalm 34. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So conflict here um, is something that hurts. But in the midst of it, we turn from evil and we seek the peace with those around us. This requires a lot of effort. We've got to keep moving forward to make peace with those around us. And the Bible gives us solid guidance on how to pursue peace. In the face of conflict. In, in reality, the Bible's very real and it has this just, hey, what is, is approach to life. It's not really disconnected from the way life really is, but God, since He wrote scriptures, He He's woven into it very matter of fact principles for dealing with life and making it good. Romans 12:18 says if it is possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all. Hey, it takes two to tango and it takes two to to clear things up. So God says here in Romans just do what you can, do everything you can. Give your best effort to making peace. But the reality is The other person has to forgive. They have to let it go. They have to be willing to clear it up if the relationship is going to return to normal. So here's what we can do to get on the same page. Uh, First, stop arguing. The goal of an argument is to win. And both sides tend to stop listening. To what the other person is saying saying in an argument because the goal is to win. I want to win, so I'm not listening to you any longer. And as long as we're going back and forth, conflict just escalates. It keeps getting worse and worse. So the scripture plainly tells us, stop arguing. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Starting or continuing an argument may seem like a small matter. It may not seem like a big deal to you. But it often grows out of control, and a little tiny crack in the dam eventually leads to a major problem. And the picture in this passage here is like taking a bucket of water and pouring it on the sand. Once, once, you, start, once you pour it out, there's no picking it up again. That's how our words are. In arguments, you cannot take them back. They're they're out there. So if you can stop the argument before it starts, 
do it, everyone is better off. Sometimes we can just let things roll off of us and think well of the other person rather than thinking the worst. Choosing to be gracious and forgiving goes a long way. But stop. Stop it before it starts. Another aspect of pursuing peace is to look at your own part of the problem. There's so much conflict that comes our way that we're consumed with sometimes and we begin to focus on what the other person is doing and saying that's wrong. And again, we try to prove our point. When we're focused on them, we lose sight of our own problems. And this is what Jesus was saying in Matthew 7. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? We naturally get fixated on other people's part of the problem when conflict erupts. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's exaggerating, (laughs) but his point is, don't stare at the wrong others have done. Look at yourself first. Look at your own part of the problem. Because the more you're staring at the other people's problems in the circumstance, the more blind you become to your own. And so look at yourself first. Another key to pursuing peace is to listen. Look at James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. If we're quick to speak, the first thing that comes out often in a conflict or argument or sometimes just in a conversation if we're quick to speak, often the first thing that comes out is judgment or trying to teach a lesson or trying to prove a point, letting others know how much we understand about life. We tend to make our point first, especially in an argument. We make our point first and we try to hammer it home and listening goes out the window. Listening goes a long way to bring peace. Just listening. If we start with trying to be understood or judging or teaching, the other person closes up like a clam. But if we listen, the other person can open up and we can have a productive conversation. We've looked at these three ways of dealing with conflict this morning. Uh, We looked at the need to stop arguing and then to look at your own part of the problem and to listen first. First move, listen to what the other person is saying, to their concerns. I need God's help with that one. To listen when I have something to say or prove or a point to make, oh, that's a battle. So I I need to stop and ask God to help me with that one. So... I'd like to wrap up the message a little differently. If the band will come up and get ready to continue leading us to sing, I'd like to ask you to pray and think through your relationships right now as we close the the time here. Take some time to reflect on those, your relationships. 
here's some questions to ask. If I'm in conflict, what would God want me to do to make peace? Do I need to stop arguing? Do I need to look at my part of the problem? Do I need to, come on up guys, do I need to listen to understand them? What, what, is, what is God saying to me? Is there a relationship that needs to be cleared up? Either I've offended someone, I've disappointed them, I've let them down, I've dropped the ball, I haven't been faithful to them in some way, or they've offended me. Is there some relationship either in the family or at work or among friends that needs to be cleared up? question is, are you going to take the first move toward that? Are, are you going to be the one that steps toward that? And then when do I plan to take this step? What is it God said to me? What do I need to do? Stop arguing. Look at my own part of the problem. Listen. And then when do I plan to take the step toward that? I'm going to ask the, the band, after I pray, I'm going to ask the band to, to lead us just in an in instrumental for a couple minutes to give you a chance to think these things through. Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word. And we ask for your help to see what we need to do and to take the steps that we need to take to bring honor to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.